Like, I just didn't get this. When people were teaching me about baptism or talking to me about Jesus and then suggesting that I be baptized in response to Christ, this was not part of the discussion. And I think that it was uh, a mistake or a, you know, a lapse or a void or something. There was something here that I should have got out of this. And I'm, I'm always kind of careful now to make sure that when we are talking to someone about Jesus, and even when we are in the act of baptism, when we actually baptize somebody, I always include this element in what it is that we're doing, because I know that when I was baptized, this was completely left out of the teaching, and it was a mistake in my, in my estimation. So this morning is in some ways not so much a corrective as much as just taking this to a level that I think it needs to be taken when we ask about the subject uh, of baptism. So Acts chapter 19, and this is a fascinating event in the early church, the, the life of the church. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Now, we've talked a lot about the word disciple. The word disciple means follower, somebody who follows after Jesus. And I have no doubt, but that when Luke writes this and calls these people disciples, that he is calling them followers of Jesus. This is there's no question in my mind about that. He calls them disciples because they are followers of the Lord Jesus. So Paul finds these disciples there, and I don't know what tipped Paul off. I'm not sure what exactly he was thinking, but something apparently tips him off to something, And because it, it, it seems to us like it just kind of comes out of the blue, but obviously for them, I don't think it just came out of the blue. And Paul says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now this, if you think about it, is a little bit remarkable. We're talking here about people who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Paul comes to them and says, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? And they say, no, not a clue. Don't know what you're talking about. And that's interesting because that's not that much different than the experience that I had. Like, I remember when I was baptized, I remember the things that were being preached, the things that I was listening to. I guarantee you that the reception of the Holy Spirit in my life was not one of the things that was right at the center of my baptism. I was not thinking to myself as I went down into the water, I'm going to come out and I'm going to have the Holy Spirit. Nobody had bothered to talk to me about that. And personally, I think that's a mistake. And in fact, I think Paul would say that that was a mistake. Let's read on. They answered again in the middle of verse 2. They answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And so Paul is obviously mystified by this. Then what baptism did you receive, he says. And clearly, in Paul's mind, if they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, somehow the Holy Spirit would have been part of the teaching. And they didn't get that. And so Paul, this is interesting. Now think about this, folks. And those of you like me who were baptized maybe a long time ago in the churches of Christ, just think about this. Paul is questioning what their baptism was all about because they were not taught about the Holy Spirit as being part of their baptism and their reception of Jesus. He calls that into question. In fact, he's a bit incredulous. What? 
You mean to tell me that you've been baptized and no one talked to you about the Holy Spirit? Can this possibly be? And yet, there have been different periods in our history when indeed that was the case. And so Paul says, well, what baptism did you receive then? Because he can't believe that they would have been baptized and, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't have been part of the discussion. John's baptism, they replied. And it's, when, when they say John's baptism, you can almost see Paul going, aha, that explains everything. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, I think that when they were baptized, they understood who Jesus was. I think they were baptized because of who Jesus was. But they were not baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it would appear. They weren't baptized with an understanding of who the Holy Spirit was. And so something is, in fact, void or missing with their baptism. And Paul can't hardly believe this. Well, again, I was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but this is different to to not receive teaching, Paul says, about the Holy Spirit in the midst of this event. The Holy Spirit is, in fact, key, a major part of what happens when someone is baptized into the Lord Jesus. That's significant to me. Paul thought it was significant. I think he was right. Now I want you to turn to John 3. You know, John 3, for us, in Churches of Christ, may not quite be like Acts 2.38, but this is a passage that we know. This is a passage that we get. We understand what John 3.3 is about and what John 3.5 is about. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. Now, you'd think that Jesus would stop at that point and he would explain to Nicodemus and say, yeah, you're right, I am from God. These miracles that I've been doing, they're from God as well. Uh, you know, you've, you're, you're really on to something here, Nicodemus. But instead... Jesus doesn't actually answer Nicodemus' remark directly. Just kind of, it's not, I don't think that he ignores it. I think that Jesus sees that there's something else here to which he needs to address, address this man. And so he says in verse 3, and it says it's in reply to what he had said, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Uh, that, that can also be translated born from above. Same kind of thing. God needs to reborn you. God needs to rebirth you, is the point that Jesus is making. And we're pretty familiar with this language, especially because of verse 5, which comes after this. Look at verse 4. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And so Nicodemus is not really tracking with Jesus here very well at all. Jesus is trying to teach this man some profound spiritual truths, and Nicodemus is caught up in whether or not you can be born twice from the same woman. And then, in verse 5, it says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. 
Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Why? Because the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, we in our history have loved verse 5. We love verse 5 because it says you must be born of the water and you must be born of the Spirit. And we've had a strong position on baptism over the years, which I think it's right that we have. And we've loved verse 5 because it's so strong on baptism. Now, I have no doubts but that in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking specifically about the act of baptism. If you look at the rest of John chapter 3 and even at the start of John chapter 4, there are a couple of other incidents where water baptism is specifically referenced. And I think that what John is doing is he completes the story here is he just he throws in some incidences in the life of Jesus talking about water baptism to say, you know what Jesus was talking about that water spirit baptism back there? Here it is exemplified in his life and in his ministry. And so he ex- he shows this through the events of the rest of John chapter 3 and moving into John chapter 4. And you, I'll let you look at that on your own. But clearly, Jesus has water baptism on his mind when he's talking about being born from above or born of the water and the Spirit. But I would also say this, and that is that for us to focus on and emphasize water baptism or the water part of baptism in John chapter 3 is, I think, an imbalance. An imbalance because that is not where Jesus himself is focused in John chapter 3. John is certainly recording this incident between Jesus and Nicodemus because he wants to show something about what the priorities are in Jesus. What what is Jesus focusing on when it comes to him discussing these things with Nicodemus? Nicodemus wants to talk about one thing. Jesus wants to talk about another. But what is it that Jesus really wants to talk about? It is not just water baptism or the portion of baptism that is watery. What Jesus wants to talk about is the Spirit and the Spirit being present in one's conversion and baptism. Look again at these verses. Like, there's a comment there about water and spirit in verse 5 for sure. But then look at verse 5. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. The word for wind here in Greek is exactly the same word as spirit. It's the exact same word. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. The reason he goes on to talk about the wind is not just because the wind blows wherever it wants. He's talking about the wind because that word, spirit, implies that the spirit comes without us being able to track it, without us being able to control it. The spirit comes into our lives in its own volition. The spirit comes in when the spirit wants to come in. And so the spirit in this passage, is clearly the center of what Jesus is trying to focus on. He's trying to say to Nicodemus, you and all people must be born again by my Spirit. And if there isn't that kind of rebirth where the Spirit comes into you and transforms who you are, then you haven't been reborn. 
And people do this sometimes. There are people all the time who get wet. People go into the grave, watery grave, we call it, of baptism, and all they did was get wet because really there's no real commitment to Christ. And I don't think Jesus is interested in people getting wet. What Jesus wants is for people to have the full experience of water and spirit together in this rebirth that takes place in their lives. And so they are reborn by water and spirit. And if you had to ask me, where is Jesus' real emphasis in John chapter 3? It's clearly on the spirit part of the rebirth. Is the water part of the rebirth there too? Yes. But what he really wants is to see people reborn by the spirit and not, certainly not just get wet. Now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is one of those passages that we read, you know, and because it's kind of in the context of other things, we don't pay much, that much attention to it. 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the spiritual gifts. It's about the body and about how the Spirit builds up the body through the various giftings, and so we all receive gifts to build up the body of Christ, and we're greatly blessed by uh, the Spirit being in us to build up our bod- uh, the, the body of Christ, and that's all wonderful. But right in the midst of that, when Paul is talking about the spiritual gifts and how they, they build up this one body and unify it in Christ, he says in verse 12, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized, and the NIV says, by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the fact is that the preposition there, by, could be translated in different ways. It could be by, it could be with, it could be in. There's different ways of translating that. But if the NIV has this right, and we are baptized by one spirit and given this one spirit to drink, that is significant. What that tells me is that when baptism takes place, and you know, we sometimes say this, like, uh, who, who baptized you, Jonathan? Okay, a guy named Bruce Goodwin baptized Jonathan, okay? Michiko, who baptized you? Do you know? Hakimoto Sente. All right. I'm speaking Japanese, Okay. Like most of you have some notion of who it is that baptized you. For me, it was Tom Bonner. Tom and I happen to share the same birthday, October 14th. He's a missionary in Russia, has been for 25 years probably now. Every now and then we have some contact. We talk about our common birthdays. At the time, I didn't know all that about him. But when I was 14 and a half years old, Tom baptized me in the Amhill River. What I didn't know at the time was that it wasn't really Tom baptizing me. I thought it was Tom. But this says it was the Holy Spirit who baptized me. And that is way more significant. I'm glad I have the relationship that I have with Tom Bonner. But what I'm way more happy about is that I have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit who baptized me, who immersed me. 
I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but you were. I know that because we were all baptized into how many bodies? One. One body. And so all of you who have been immersed like I was, and, and that's, we'll get into this next week, but that's what the word baptism means. Sometimes wonder, you know, people ask, what's baptism really mean? And, and the word itself means to be immersed. That's why it's used the way it is. We are immersed into one body by the Holy Spirit. And so next time somebody says, who baptized you, or you're reflecting on who it was that baptized you, you can think to yourself, well, there was a, a human component to this. God used somebody as the conduit to bring out, uh, forth my baptism, but really it's God through his spirit that baptized you and made you new in him. Well, the whole point of this is to say that baptism is an intensely spiritual act. But it's not just because we receive the forgiveness of sins. You know, sometimes we say, you know, why is a person baptized? Well, for the forgiveness of sins. Well, first Acts 2.38 says that. There's something significant about that. But I don't know how we can possibly say that we aren't baptized because of the Holy Spirit coming into us. That the Holy Spirit isn't himself planting himself in us through this act of baptism. As if somehow that's not as significant, say, as the forgiveness of our sins. I think it's pretty hard to say which one's more important. And this notion of the Spirit being in us and renewing us and rebirthing us, giving us new life because the Spirit is in us is right at the core, right at the center of what it means for us to be immersed into Jesus Christ. God baptizes us with His Spirit, and we are made new. Next week, we're going to look more at the question of baptism. Uh, I'm hoping that if, like, if you're not baptized today, if, you know, if you think, you know, this is something I've never done, I hope that when you come back next week, that you're thinking to yourself, I might just do this. Being baptized in the name of Jesus is extremely important. The Spirit uses that event in our lives. And I would pray that there would be those who even next week would think, next week's the week. I'm going to do this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege and blessing we have of being together this morning, of being able to talk about the new birth that you've given to us through your Spirit. Father, continue to new birth people around us. Renew them. Make them them brand new as we communicate and share with them the good news of what Jesus has done. And we pray that your spirit would fill them and transform them, baptize them, and make them new. Bring this uh, to fruition among us. And and perhaps, God, I want to pray even bring it next week. Father, we pray that there would be someone next week who would say, I want to put Jesus on in baptism and that you would send your spirit to do just that for them uh, next Sunday. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.